Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. You know, Australia is looking at 70% of all display being traded programmatic. We know in reality that that screen is reaching additional members of the household and kind of creating this ghost audience effect. If you've got those three components of an app inventory, data and tech, any channel can be programmatic. Hello, I'm Gavin Stewart, co-founding partner and marketing director at Ashton Media and your host of Ashton Cast. Welcome to episode one of Why Innovating Matters in Programmatic Advertising, brought to you by Ashton Media, producer of the region's leading marketing, advertising, media, and CX events. Please make sure to follow, rate, comment, and tell everyone you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. Programmatic advertising. It's an innovative approach that lets companies gain the upper hand in our shifting culture. Like the birth of the film industry, an explosive cultural event that left the world awash in opportunity. Let's start in 1927. The Spanish influenza had just started to release its hold on the world. The Wall Street crash was imminent. In America, a relatively small company by the name Warner Brothers released a film called The Jazz Singer. Starring a young Laurence Olivier, this musical marked the ascendancy of talkies and the end of the silent film era. You ain't heard nothing yet. Suddenly, a new era was upon us. Sound production provided cinema a level of appeal not yet seen. But this move also took courage. Charlie Chaplin, the greatest film star at the time, famously declared that sound films were a gimmick. And a 1929 edition of Variety magazine famously decried that movie stars should be screened and not heard. Well, devil, he'll have many surprises waiting for him. I'm afraid so. Yet, innovation cannot be held back. Fast forward 70 years to 2000. A young startup called Netflix tended to run the online arm of Blockbuster Video. This was met with a chuckle, and while we all know who's laughing now, it's undeniable that today's connected TV platforms have such colossal market share that everyone is emulating it. How does innovation play a role in the programmatic Adland landscape? Could it be time for advertising to move from a contrived upfront marketplace into a responsible ecosystem centered on making the experience good for the consumer? During the 2021 Programmatic Summit, we spoke to the experts creating today's structural changes in advertising, and we overcame outdated industry habits to find the future of successful marketing. If you've never heard the names Vilma Banke, May Murray, and Norma Talmadge, you're not alone. These were all incredibly successful silent film stars who didn't make the transition to talkies. Some like Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers, already accustomed to the demands of both dialogue and song, transitioned seamlessly. Greta Garbo even had her moment with a crossover. The great Charlie Chaplin even resisted, unlike his contemporaries Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. He held off until 1940 for his release of his first sound film, The Great Dictator. What do you think you're doing? I really don't know. But hindsight is 2020. Only history can decide the difference between courage and foolishness. Paramount, an industry heavyweight, knew this but prioritised innovation and their 1929 release of The Wild Party was not only their first talkie, but their first feature directed by a woman. No need to say why well, the world still knows their name. Well, I've got to hand something in, whether it's good or bad. For any trend to become mainstream, it must be simple to learn and consume. Natalie Minter, 
product manager of agencies and brands from Flybys, knows this goes for programmatic advertising too. She talks here about the change from traditional display advertising, where campaigns are optimised after the fact, to where the industry is pivoting to. Programmatic is really just a method of buying rather than a media channel and sort of the simplest explanation for what um, can feel like a really complex ecosystem and world when you're starting off um, is really at its simplest core sort of automation and real-time buying. Each industry must continually examine its outdated practices and the necessity to do this in this case was born from COVID. Tim Armstrong, the head of digital audience and monetization from Nova Entertainment, knew that the industry had to innovate when faced with the challenges of a global pandemic. COVID taught us that our businesses need to be leaner. The way in which we do business needs to be more efficient. And programmatic kind of answers a lot of those questions and it solves that problem to an extent. So we're noticing that the market is quite mature when it comes to programmatic across other channels. Mass disruption can lead to positive outcomes if an industry is prepared to examine its obstacles. With traditional avenues such as networks reporting a drop in viewership, advertisers are keen to seek alternatives instead of paying $175,000 a second for a Super Bowl commercial. Ryan Menezes, Chief Technology and Transformation Officer at Group M, reflects on the changing of the old to the new. In the past, the space used to look as if it was too complex and too convoluted. And what marketers have had to do, and also everyone else within the industry, is they've had to really upskill within the space. And what that's ultimately done is it improves collaboration. Only today, I feel like we are truly driving and adopting and getting the most out of our programmatic expense. Tim, Natalie and Ryan all know that in order to succeed, you need to pay attention to the world around you. An unknown British film director sensed a trend in 1929 and produced Europe's first talkie. Thus, the one and only Alfred Hitchcock became cemented in cinema history. Atlantic sells in responding to the world around it. And over the last few years, it is this innovation that has demystified the true potential of programmatic advertising, allowing for an increase in the level of trust and transparency advertisers seek. Really one of the strongest benefits that advancements in the programmatic advertising space has really brought us is personalization at scale. Now, personalization means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but optimization and the capabilities that come with running advertising programmatically means that sort of this true one-to-one relevant communications are actually possible at scale. For Ryan and Tim, the numbers alone speak for themselves. Over 60% of our overall digital investment is allocated to programmatic. And this is very much a client-led approach because of uh, the efficiency and the effectiveness that they've started to expect when it comes to programmatic. But we've seen success. We're not the first channel to go down the road programmatic route. We've followed many other successful ones before. We even heard earlier today that you know Australia is looking at 70% of all display being traded programmatic. With results like these, it is without doubt innovation will continue. But what are the challenges that this transition faces? Listen on as we discover how the industry standard changes right before our very eyes. Talkies didn't come without their challenges. Cameras were noisy and bled sound requiring isolation cabinets. Actors felt restricted in their movements by the microphones placed on their costumes, leading to the development of boom mics. 
And in a story made famous by Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain, dialogue dubbing was created to account for actors who didn't possess the vocal range required in the role. The marketing world was introduced into programmatic advertising through the very first banner ad. An AT&T spot used multicolored letters to teasingly ask, have you ever clicked your mouse here? In results unheard of today, 60% of people clicked. Nowadays, today's banner ads have decreased to a staggering 0.6% click-through rate. But for Ryan, the number of advertisers using programmatic has grown. I think advertisers are becoming more and more confident. Again, the demystification in terms of areas such as viewability, data credibility, brand safety, and verification has really helped push things forward. I think one of the areas which is really quite important is how their confidence comes when it comes to seeing results, when it comes to seeing the outcomes that are delivered through programmatic. And the more they're exposed to it, the better they understand the drivers of it. And because advertisers have come to understand programmatic as a place for truly meaningful measurements, Natalie points out that the expectations to see the full view of what their advertising is driving are almost too high. We're taking concepts of really sort of one-to-one targeting and one-to-one device-based metrics when we're thinking about programmatic across sort of display and online video. And then we're applying this to an environment where we have the identifiers or audience information for one member of the household in relation to TV and just the location in relation to sort of outdoor. But we know in reality that that screen is reaching additional members of the household and kind of creating this ghost audience effect, if you like. Innovation isn't easy. And skin in the game is no guarantee for success. Budding innovator Hans Lorb, keen to make his mark in show business, learned this the hard way when he introduced Smellovision, a machine that released odour into a movie theatre to heighten a film's appeal and emotional impact. But with its loud hissing sounds, lingering scents and distraction from the film, critics ensured there was no encore performance. Tim speaks to the vulnerability it takes to acknowledge that trepidation is a natural path of growth. We have a very big sales team and moving to a predominantly programmatic model, you know, we'd lose some of that. Theoretically, we'd still keep a portion of it because talent still seems to be a very big opportunity for brands and advertisers. But it would mean that we would, yeah, I think our business would probably be at the point where a lot of people wouldn't recognize it anymore. And that's not something that'll be unique to us. It'll be unique to a lot of businesses and that it will involve a long, hard journey, which involves People changes, structure changes in the way we look at our model and and make money. And for Natalie, the trial and error game has been exciting to be a part of. Using their accumulated email list built over 10 years, Flybys was able to connect with its audience in a previously unimagined way. The emergence of programmatic has really offered us a unique opportunity to sort of extend this across the paid media context. A bit of an example of how we've done that sort of quite early on at Flybys, we were sort of trialing out dynamic creative and ad serving across programmatic where we took audience feeds and we combined them with product feeds that had, you know, 15,000 different versions of SKUs and products available in a supermarket to really kind of create unique combinations of product recommenders for each member. So we're sort of targeting, you know, anywhere up to a million members each week with a totally unique set of promoted products and creative that was personalized to that member. So, you know, this kind of thing was just not available or not something we could even dream of doing without sort of the advancements within programmatic. Overcoming problems in programmatic advertising has led to innovation. So when a misplaced brand advertisement was wrongly featured on a website carrying vital COVID-19 information, Ryan was among the many in the industry who saw this mistake as an opportunity for growth. 
I think it's positive in terms of having a lot of eyes on it to be able to make sure that the industry can move forward, the industry can get better, we can continue to tweak and optimize elements to be able to, again, propel the total industry forward. So I think it's absolutely justified. It's also helped demystify some of the some of the more complex areas such as viewability, verification, brand safety, invalid traffic. How do you look at credibility of data? So that's been a really positive move forward. I think the big thing over here is very much around improving the level of education. I think that's an area where it's really picked things up. Ryan strongly believes in the importance of educating people on the intricacies of programmatic advertising. He wants to ensure that we understand the full breadth of opportunities available. On a professional basis, I think the one thing that it has really helped us define, especially at Group M, is the fact that we need to be able to move from operators to architects. How do we do that? I think on our end, it's very much around creating the right connections and making sure that the way we break it down in a really simplistic way is we start with people, right? People and process. We've got experienced talent that is accredited in solutions. And I think that's what I would ask clients to always check. Future success can be hard to determine. The Wall Street crash didn't diminish the success of talkies. Ticket sales hit record highs, but still, not every production company survived. The companies we still know today, MGM, Paramount, Fox, Warners, Columbia, and Universal, survived because they knew talkies had moved from a bonus to a necessity. In Adland's changing environment, Tim reflects on the need for forward thinking and planning for long-term growth. I think we are moving into a world where technology dominates more and more and more and we're never going to be able to hire enough people to do everything we need to do. We believe our nuanced approach is building the platform of the future, building our programmatic setup now in a way that, yeah, like we say, in 10 years' time, if 90% of our all of our trading of audio is programmatic, how do we put ourselves in a position so that we have levers and options over time to roll them out? We're thinking more about, well, how do we make sure we can support the listening demands of the users and how can we diversify our product suite a little bit to make sure that we are continuing to capture the audience and keeping them engaged with us. For Ryan, his team is understanding that a big element of creating an open marketplace will come from continued collaboration and strong transparency. The question we need to ask ourselves as an industry is how open do you want this ecosystem to be? And my response would be, ideally for a client, they should be able to cherry pick between the technologies that they want to use, regardless of which technology stack it sits within. Data and automation need to be embraced. AI will automate programmatic bidding to make less reactive, but more informed and predictive decisions. The last piece is AI for me. I think that's the space where there's a lot of work being done. And I think this year is going to be a, there's an AI for that across every single channel. (laughs) Well said, mate. Well said. The thing you have to consider when it comes to what leads a channel to be programmatic is at the end of the day, you need adequate inventory, first of all. And you also need it to be enabled by data or underpinned by data and enabled by technology. And if you've got those three components of enough inventory, data and tech, any channel can be programmatic. Natalie knows that AI and data will play a big role in both programmatic and flyby's future, along with the need to focus on resource and skill sharing. 
I think that the onus here comes down to media agencies and sort of those media partners working with advertisers and brands to really transition their role from being more focused on the sort of execution of the media and the team itself to becoming really a true partner in sort of consulting and educating those internal marketing teams. Because I do think these teams need to be upskilled and I don't think there is a full confidence there a lot of the time. And I think that sort of additional value add can really come from those media partners and agencies that work with those businesses. And I think it's a real gap for a lot of businesses. As more businesses engage with media placements, the demand for data grows. In the past, measurement has been a major obstacle as many buyers were used to a large range of metrics and insight. Tim and his team are trying to approach this in a way that benefits the industry and fosters long-term growth. As more experts offer more innovative ways to invest in programmatic advertising, the high metrics they seek will be achieved. You know, we could choose to follow the market in terms of, you know, I feel like there's a race to the bottom, you know, programmatic's cheap, dump your supplier there, open up to as many buyers as possible and just rattle the impressions off the rack. So we've we've approaching it very differently in that respect. And we also acknowledge that the capabilities from a programmatic point of view, you know, we're trying to shift our narrative there to automation because now the SSP platforms have as much, if not more, capability than what a primary ad server might do. I think it's definitely going to play a massive role in the way that people compile their marketing mix and the way that they control cost, measure, access data, all of that kind of stuff. The transition to a Ford market is informed by data. Programmatic advertising is automated, so you don't have to stop what you are doing to change an ad. Now, instead of paying to advertise their product during shows with the most viewers, programmatic advertising allows companies to send targeted ads to very specific audiences. Of course, New changes mean new players, who all want to know where they stand in this changing landscape. Natalie knows firsthand how intricate this web can be. You can kind of see this highly fragmented and complex web of all these different players all operating and competing for a clip of the ticket in the advertising value stream. And, you know, I've been involved in trying to explain this to, you know, execs and people outside the industry over the years, and it's challenging because it is so fragmented. So I think what we're seeing now is actually, you know, with the shifting attitudes and standards towards consent and data usage expectations and sort of regulations, we're sort of seeing that opposite. So a bit of, I guess, a perhaps a bit of a logical consolidation of some of the industry and the players that get a cut of the ticket along the value chain. So I think... In a lot of ways, it's not a bad thing. And I think there's a potentially a bit of a cleanup happening, which can be positive. But I think, you know, the concern comes when it's not done with the continued focus on transparency, which, you know, did create the reason for why there were so many players in the first place. No industry has escaped the financial shakedown as a result of the pandemic. But by creating this vibrant ecosystem, advertisers can monetize with the very best targeting possible and get more out of a single dollar. The consumer wins. The client wins. Everyone wins. The rise of talkies in the 1920s gave a new voice to a changing industry, literally. It opened the world up to untold stories filled with new cultures, languages and genres. Programmatic advertising with its unique ability to level the playing field to include all who want to get involved is poised to have the same effect. I think Today, so far, my takeouts and what I found really interesting was around attention uh, economy. So I thought that was uh, really interesting to see how we can, you know, assess or uh, measure some campaigns and awareness activity through attention. Favorite thing about programmatic is definitely the ability to, not many people would say this, but the ability to learn more and educate teams on something new. 
I think it makes a lot of sense for technology to be seamlessly connected, enabling us to deliver on what I hope to see in the future, which is a more seamless single customer view. I think there'll be a lot more interconnectedness with the, whole, the entire ecosystem and the use of AI. I think, again, that personalised experience and sort of using data in a non-creepy way to sort of make advertising relevant to the users. I'm Gavin Stewart, and this has been another episode of AshtonCast. Thank you for listening. On the next episode of Why Innovating Matters in Programmatic Advertising, we'll be playing the full interview with Tim Armstrong, Head of Digital Audiences and Monetization from Nova Entertainment, followed by Ryan Menezes, Chief Technology and Transformation Officer at Group M, and then Natalie Minter, Product Manager for Agencies and Brands at Flybys. This episode of Ashton Cast was brought to you by Ashton Media, producer of the region's leading marketing, advertising, media, and customer experience events. Again, please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment, and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. You can find AshtonCast on all the major podcast players, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash AshtonCast for more info. This episode was produced by Podpaste and Ashton Media here in Sydney, Australia. Executive producer, yours truly, Gavin Stewart. Supervising producer, Darren Lake. Audio production, sound design and engineering by Eamon Connolly. And story writing producers, Nikki Thomas, with help from Charles Montano. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media.